Hi, welcome to Ask a Pastor. This is some content that we uh, deliver every Friday, Wednesday, depending on how you get it, uh, at Orchard Hill. And so many of you have sent in questions. Thank you for sending in all your questions. And if uh, you're newer to this content, you can find it on the Orchard Hill Church app. If you go to the app store of whatever platform you use, you can find that there. And you can uh, go back into all of the old episodes. Uh, they're all topically listed. And you can find the content for what you want if you're not just a straight through listener. Uh, you can also do that on iTunes. If you listen on iTunes or uh, any of the various uh, places that this is delivered, if you like the content, subscribe to it. What it does is it helps other people find the content. If you're listening on Word FM on the radio on Fridays, uh, welcome to you as well. Uh, we are going to jump into a topic today. I'm joined by Dan Shields. Dan is our worship leader. Uh, he oversees the worship at all three of our campuses, the Strip District, Butler County, and Wexford. Primarily uh, is on site at Wexford uh, most weekends, but uh, Dan, welcome. Thank you. And uh, Dan's been part of our staff here since 1999, which uh, puts him 20 years in. That's right. Is that right? All the way back in the 20th and, century. Um, yeah. That's uh, that's amazing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, so this first question is uh, probably the only question we'll address here today, uh, just depending on how things go. But this is um, a long question, so hang with us for a few moments. But I think it's important to hear the the tenor and heart of the question, uh, not just the specifics as well, because we'll probably address that first and then come back to, uh, to some specifics. So my question today is, how, as Christians, are we to handle the influx of moral issues being forced on society by TV, media, and liberal agendas? How are we to react when we hear about drag queens, that's in quotes, reading to their children in kindergarten, uh, the push for 30-plus gender designations, legal abortion, including killing babies up to birth, putting an X on a birth certificate until a child decides what, which gender to identify with, homosexual behavior being acceptable, graphic sex ed being taught to children in children's schools, morning TV shows glorifying children who are transgender. Much more to list, but I think you get the point. An in-law of one of my family members is trying to turn her 12-year-old son gay because she wants a gay son. Apparently, it's cool these days. There seems to be quite a push to eliminate Christian values whenever possible to disparage Christians in any way. Christians are supposed to be non-judgmental, but the push for the above are considered to be normal is way too much. Most TV shows, movies, include a gay or transgender character and include children, which is uh, portrayed, uh, which including children, which is portrayed as ordinary. We can avoid TV movies, but the news shows are no better. Are we to stick our heads in the sand? Even in the workplace, the push to accept these issues is the norm. The older I get, the harder time I have dealing with this. Right is right, wrong is wrong, but not today. Everything's upside down. Politically correctness to me just means to accept what is morally corrupt. There is tolerance for anything except that which is moral or follows a traditional value. What is happening in our country, our world, help. Struggling with this, but I also realize it's biblical. Thank you. <laughs> So, Dan, um, you're a on. Nice short question there. No, it's uh, a great question. How, how do you now. respond to all of that? Well, you know, there, there's a couple things. Uh, first of all, you know, the question's a great question because it's a very important question. It captures some of the most important things that we as the church have to deal with. So what the question I think in the overarching thing is asking is this. In a society that's growing um, more and more pluralistic, more and more secularized, how does the church interact with that? So, you know, as a society moves further and further away from traditional Judeo-Christian values, how do we as the church deal with that? You know, because if you think about it, if you think historically, uh, this culture has really had sort of a homogenous view of 
Judeo-Christian values throughout its early years, you know, but we really are changing now as a culture. And you have to ask the question, so how do we as a church engage with a culture that's moving further and further away from those values? And I, I would even add, you know, uh, the church seems, um, the culture seems to look at the church, I think now, not with just apathy, but sometimes with antagonism, like it seems like it's coming after the church. Um, before I jump into that, though, let, let me take a left turn, like a little bit of a rabbit trail on this thing. And I think this is important though, for I'm us. I'm sure you want to use the word left turn instead <laughs> of a right turn. I j <laughs> just want to be clear here. That's funny. Um, so uh, here's something that I think we have to remember. Um, I think that when I talk to people uh, who say these sort of things, they, they basically are saying something that goes like this. Um, things are getting really bad. So they'll, they'll list some things like what this person said in their question. Uh, things are getting worse and worse all the time. And then they go from that observation into some sort of assumption. This country is falling apart at the seams. Things are morally falling apart. And then sometimes they'll even take it into like, especially Christians will take it into like a prediction. Like this is the end, you know, our country is going downhill and it's going to be the end of this country. We're going to be under persecution. Jesus is coming back soon. That was, that's what was embedded in that little idea. I know it's biblical. Yeah, when, when there's the a little bit The person who wrote that. that, they said, I mean, what they're saying is the Bible predicts that it's just going to get worse <laughs> right, and worse right, and worse right. until Jesus comes so back. So you hear that going from okay. observation to assumption to like prophecy or prediction almost. Uh, you know, two things. One is Jesus is coming back. He, he was really clear about that. He's coming back. The second thing is he is absolutely coming back sooner than he ever has been in the history of the church, right? We, we both would agree mm -hmm. with that. Everybody agrees with that. Um, but because we see these certain things, does that mean that there's this predictive coming of Christ? I think we have to be cautious with that. And here's why I think this. If you just look at a little bit bigger picture historically, the church has been in much more dire situations than this. The church has seen much more uh, degraded morality than we see in this country. And in many ways in this country, the church is in one of the best situations that it possibly could be. We can still speak openly and we have media, things like that. But you know, if you just took a, a glimpse back through history, let's say, uh, you know, the danger towards the church, because you feel that sort of, people feel like there's an oppression towards the church and persecution is coming. Well, you know, you look back at, I don't know, Rome in the, in the 400s, you know, you've got the Gauls from the north attacking, you've got the Vandals from the south attacking. The church was, it was going to be eliminated. It was an extraordinary, I mean, that's what brought us into the dark ages. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it was a very dangerous time for the church. Or you look at the 1200s and the rise of Islam and you look at the Mongol hordes that were coming. They both wanted to eliminate the church. I would say read the book of Corinthians. Oh, man, and, for, for um, morals, and, right? And, and I mean, if you want to talk about a church that was yes. awash in a society without a moral compass. That's right. Uh, I mean, if you would that take, was true if of you the would book. take your most hardened liberal mm -hmm. today and put them in that society, they would blush. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was much worse. Yeah. You know, you look at, at recent history. I mean, you look mm -hmm. at the rise of Nazism, fascism in Germany and, and imperialism in Japan. Those both wanted to wipe out or control let, the church. Let, you let, know? Me, let me push back on something there. Yeah, you yeah, said sure. put the hard, most hardened liberal in that culture and they would blush. Yes. Uh, let, let me just push back because I, I don't like the distinction that liberals are against values and conservatives are for values. Absolutely, um, that's there, right. There, there are different... Yes. Things that are held up. Usually on the conservative side, it's yes. personal sexual ethics, it's family uh, units, uh, things of that nature. 
And on the left, there's a concern often for the poor or for justice issues. Um, and and I, think, I think we have to be careful when we paint liberal or conservative being being pro-value or anti-value. Yes. They're different values. Uh, you can argue which one is more biblical. Yeah. Um, I think there's some places in both sides where there's some challenges uh, and some things that, that are to be um, be sought after, but well, let, let me take a mm -hmm. let me take a rabbit trail off of a rabbit trail already. You know, <laughs> is so this you, a right or a left turn? <laughs> <laughs> so you decide. Yeah. Um, if you look at this country, for instance, mm -hmm. and you say you know morals are getting much worse. First of all, I don't know that that's true. I, I was recently reading some T. S. Eliot stuff. He was a great poet of the last century, right around the fifties, and he was saying how horrible morals were mm -hmm. and how we're losing all of our moral values and stuff mm -hmm. like that. This is in the fifties. The era that we look back is the Norman Rockwell era, where everything was peachy right. keen. But you know, if you look at uh, if you look at this country, uh, 150 years ago there was slavery. Mm -hmm. That's a very serious issue that this country and mm -hmm. the church had to deal with. If you look at the turn of the last century, now I'm, I'm taking some mm -hmm. issues on both sides of the political right. fence here. You can drive a half an hour away and you can go to the waterfront. You can see where the Pickerton uprising was, where yeah. there was a strike breaker, where these these men came in, killed a lot of the strikers. Why were these people on strike? These people were on strike because they were working 12-hour days, 364 days a year in the steel mills. Mm -hmm. They only had the, the 4th of July off. Mm. Children as young as 12-year-old were working in those mm. sti steel mills 364 days a year, mm. and it was more dangerous to work in the steel mill than it was to join the army and go off mm. to World War II. There was a higher casualty mm. rate in the steel mill. Now, is, is that a moral ethical issue? Mm. Absolutely, it's, mm -hmm. it's not sexual. Mm -hmm. But it's a moral ethical issue that the church had to deal with and the society had to deal right. with. Or you look 50 years back, you know, I mean, I couldn't drink from the same water fountain that somebody of a different mm -hmm. color would mm -hmm. drink from. And, you know, you look today, and this is the reason why I'm saying some things are worse, some things are not. I don't work 12-hour days, 364 mm -hmm. days a year, neither does my 15-year-old son. Mm -hmm. And some of my absolutely most precious valued relationships are with people of a different color than me. Mm -hmm. My closest friends in the world are of different mm -hmm. colors. That wouldn't have happened 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. So some things are getting worse, some things right. are getting better. So I, I think that's important that we make that moral distinction and say uh, things are bad in certain areas, but things are better in certain areas. And what you have to take some of these things that this questioner ask, I think the best way to couch them is these are the moral dilemmas of this day. These mm -hmm. are the moral challenges of this day that mm -hmm. the church has to deal with. So uh, let, let, let's just um, take maybe one or two of these issues because there's a lot here, and I don't think the question was yeah, intended yeah. to say deal with everything. It was saying help me understand how to interact when I feel like my culture yes. is going farther and farther away yeah. from kind of these, these biblical norms that I felt like used to be um, more standardized. Um, which, which I think if I've heard you, you'd say, one, the standards maybe weren't as standardized as you think, or the norms, um, w which I would agree with. I think, mm. uh, again, if you look back over time, uh, certainly the family unit in the 50s, 60s may have appeared to be more intact, but mm. there were, you know, if you watch Mad Men or something, you, you say, oh, there weren't a lot of morals in the 60s right. <laughs> necessarily. Now, I don't know that that's a true depiction of anything, but, yeah, yeah. but, but if you watch that kind of a show as a depiction of it, mm. certainly I don't remember the 60s, but, uh, it, you know, you'd say, eh, that, that's not that different than, than how people live today in terms of, of what's going on. But at the same time, that sense that things are getting worse and 
and that, that my Christianity is more threatened, what would you say to somebody? And, and let's just mm-hmm. take the issue of uh, transgenderism. So, okay. so somebody says, okay, transgenderism is making a, a rise, and I don't like all the political correctness around it, and I want to refer to a man who's biologically a man as a man and a woman who's biologically a woman as a woman rather yes. than have to dance in political correctness and I feel like somehow that that that's accommodating my culture. If I do, yeah. you know, I want to call Bruce Jenner Bruce, not Kalen or whatever <laughs> uh, the, the, right. the name is today. How would you help somebody say, okay, as a person of faith, how do you navigate that? How do you walk in that? Well, let me deal with a bigger picture first, and, okay. and then I, I can tackle if we have a little is bit. Just a right or a left specifics. <laughs> this is just bigger picture. All you right, have to I'm decide. with you. There was a guy named Francis Schaefer back in the 70s. Uh, He he was a teacher right up here at uh, Grove City for a while. Um, You know, he was a brilliant man, and he sort of had a perspective on the culture and where, again, this more pluralized and secular culture was leading and how the church would have to deal with it. And uh, he wrote a book that was called... uh, that he called How Then Shall We Live, I think was the title of it. It's a great book, really worthwhile read for any reader, almost prophetic in some ways. And I don't remember all of the ins and outs of it, but one of the things that I do remember is he spoke about us as Christians being missionaries within our culture. And he was saying, you know, essentially we used to send missionaries into different cultures, into Tanzania or, you know, Azerbaijani or something like that. And they would have to learn to be Uh, enculturated in those areas and then share the truth of the gospel. And he's saying, but we as a pluralistic society, we are those missionaries in our society right now. And I'd say there's three really big things that we need to really learn how to do as the church in this day and age. Um, The first thing is to be able to speak with grace. And the second thing is to speak truth. And the third thing is to speak the language of the culture. So let me unfold these just shortly, Mm -hmm. if that's all right with you. So speaking grace, you know, we are really to be people who are known for our love. That's what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, we do these uh, like man on the street videos where we'll go out on the street and ask different questions and stuff. And sometimes we'll ask people, what do you think about Christianity? And uh, Josh, who does our videos, does a great job of them. Uh, He gets an earful a lot of times, but this is what you'd expect, right? What do you think of Christians? what big things come up first? They're hypocrites, they're judgmental, they're finger pointers, they're haters. Mm -hmm. But you know, you look at the Bible and what the Bible says we should be. I mean, we should be some of the most winsome people on earth. But again, somebody would say, uh, just taking the other side, they'd say, well, as soon as I say anything's wrong, I'm labeled that way, even if I say it in the most loving way. So so if I say it's wrong to do X, they'll say I'm a hater and that's just, a discrediting thing. Well, you know, first of all, we have to earn the right to be heard. Mm-hmm. You don't, you can't just expect because you believe the Bible to be true. Mm-hmm. Y- your argument cannot be the Bible said it, I believe it, and that settles mm-hmm. it. Well, that settles it for you, and it should settle it for you. But for that mm-hmm. person you're talking to, it might not. But listen to this. If you were a person who showed, this is just right out of the mm-hmm. Bible, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, mm-hmm. gentleness, and self-control, and that's what you were to the person you're in relationship with all of the time, that person would see you in a, in a light where maybe they would be open to some truths mm-hmm. that, that you spoke. Or, you know, we're supposed to think on things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, mm-hmm. worthy of, you know, if we spoke in those ways, we could make an impact on society that's a very positive impact because people's hearts would be opened up. And I, I would say this, you know, uh, maybe you wanna deal with some of these really flashpoint topics, mm-hmm. but maybe the best thing to do is to speak truth into a lot 
less flashpoint type of mm -hmm. stuff. Talk about child raising and how important it is mm -hmm. for a child to be respectful of their parents or talk about mm -hmm. uh, being honest in the workplace or something like that and speak truth into things that are so, smaller. So, so grace. Grace is number one. Truth, but you truth. said, but, but so now truth. Okay, so truth. You, that, you just said, that so speak truth to things that are less controversial is what I just heard you well, say. Well, as an inroad, as an inroad, real truth. So do you mean you don't speak to those controversial issues or you just all. make sure that that you're balanced in terms of speaking a lot of other truth that's more agreeable to our culture? I, I would definitely say that. Just okay. like when you're talking to your child, you know, you have to give them a lot of positives along with the negatives. So, you know, it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. You have to build a relationship and a relationship is not just jamming somebody's viewpoint down, jamming mm -hmm. your viewpoint down somebody's throat, but it's having a conversation, listening, being open, letting them influence mm -hmm. and impact you, but also at all times thinking how you can share truth. Now, th this is really important, I think, on truth. In order to speak truth, you do have to know truth. Mm -hmm. I think in the church, there is some biblical illiteracy that, uh, that makes it difficult mm -hmm. for people to speak truth. They, they often know political arguments better than they know the truth of the Bible. So mm -hmm. I think three things are really important on that. Number one, get to church and listen to a pastor who has all week long tried to sort together pieces of truth mm -hmm. that impact your week from Monday to Saturday. Mm -hmm. You know get there and, and hear how somebody speaks into a culture because that's what your pastor's really mm -hmm. doing. We do a great job of that here. I think reading some books is a really important thing. So, you know, if you want to know about truth, you could read a book like Know the Truth by Bruce mm -hmm. Milne or you could read The Reason for God by Tim Keller mm -hmm. or Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis or um, Basic Christianity by John Stott or a myriad of other books. Mm -hmm. That'll really ground you in ways that you know what the truth is. And I think the last thing, um, you know, I don't know if this is a, an urban legend propagated by uh, pastors for uh, good sermon illustrations, but I've heard that if you're trying to discern um, counterfeit bills, the way that they train you mm -hmm. on that is to learn what a real bill looks like. Well, that's an important thing, you know, to know what the truth is. I think the most important thing that we need to know is the Bible. For us to learn and, and read the Bible is an important so thing and know what that truth is. Th that's great. So take the transgender issue. Yep. Okay. And now, now be a missionary with grace, truth, and speaking in cultural terms. Okay, so, well, so let's, what does that mean to take okay, so your theory and apply it to a flashpoint? Great. So, so let's let's say, for instance, because this one is a very difficult mm -hmm. one, and immediately it's it's like throwing a match into right. uh, into gasoline. It's going to explode on you. So somebody maybe they would say something like, "Well, I just don't understand why two people can't love each other, and if somebody's born that way, why can't they love somebody else?" Mm -hmm. Well, a couple things that I might start off with, just taking this as as an example. One of the first things that I would say is, um, I don't think there's any reason why two people can't love each other. Mm -hmm. Pull the rug out from the argument a little bit. I, this isn't mm -hmm. about people loving each other. People can, you know, mm -hmm. I, I love lots of my male friends. It's, mm -hmm. There's no problem with that. Uh, and then you can also follow up with an empathy and say, you know, uh, that has got to be an incredibly difficult thing to deal with. When you have gender dysphoria, Man, I, mm -hmm. I can't imagine how hard that would be, and, and I really feel bad for people who have that. But you know, on the other side, you know, they might be born with something like that, which I think there's some debate whether somebody's really born with that or not, but even if that's the case, um, I do know what that's like in my life in all kinds of other areas. I'm born with all kinds of propensities. I'm born with all kinds of desires that I in some ways would like to fill, but I know are wrong to do. I might want to steal something or I might want to cheat on my wife, or, but I know those things are wrong even though mm -hmm. I'm sort of born that way. So, you know, like for instance, my, my family, um, my family has a history of alcoholism. I'm probably born with some of those same genes. Would it be right and okay for me to say, well, I'm just born this way, so 
it's okay if I drink too much alcohol and I come home and I beat my kids because I'm a naturally angry person. Nobody would think that. Of course that's wrong. You've got to be able to fight those things. Or you take something that's more volatile and you say like, let's look at the uh, issue with the Catholic priests. They've been abusing children. Now, don't you think some of those people feel a natural draw that they were born that way? They'd say, Mm -hmm. this is the way I am. But just because you're born a certain way doesn't mean that you have to act out on it. That's part of being humani- humans. Mm-hmm. That's our morality. That's so our volition. So then when somebody says, well, why should you tell people what they should act out on or not? Well, my response initially would at least be just because you have certain feelings, it doesn't mean that you have to naturally act out on those things. There's the act of volition between it where you make decisions mm-hmm. and you have to decide if things are morally right or wrong. Mm-hmm. So where do you get your morals from? How do you start to decide what is right, what is wrong? where morals come from. Um, just because you have desire doesn't mean that those things are necessarily right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think if we can speak to a culture in a way that shows compassion, love, kindness, but also speaks truth, and then you could even follow that up and say, you know, for me, it's, I, I just trust the Bible to be true, and it mm-hmm. does speak to, you know, issues with gender and issues with sexuality. You know, it speaks into my life things that I might not like all that much, but Mm -hmm. I try to live my life in a way that uh, lives in accordance uh, with Mm -hmm. the Bible. I don't do it well all the time, but I really try to live that out. Yeah. Um, Let's just hit one more thing that's kind of in here. I appreciate those comments, Dan. Thank you. The the, um, insinuation that the questioner makes that political correctness is, is a negative. Yeah. Political correctness, is that part of speaking to culture or is that an accommodation to culture? How do you see that? Well, you know, language is important, first of all. Um, So there is some hurtful, hateful language. Uh, I think it's wise to look at your language. We as Christians are supposed to watch our language. You know, you just did a whole series on the book of James. It talks about controlling the tongue. Uh, That's no small issue. Um, So, you know, language is important. But you can also misuse language in a different way. You know, if you read, for instance, uh, and I didn't know you were going to ask this question, so uh, again, Mm -hmm. left turn. but if you read something like 1984 by George Orwell, um, one of the things that the state-controlled media did is they started to change language. So they actually insidiously got in and started changing the meaning of words. Well, we've had that in our culture. It's not necessarily a positive thing. So there is positives in being cautious with language, but when you start to change the meaning of language, you have to be very cautious. And uh, there are agendas out there that are insidious agendas that will try to do that in a negative way. Well, sometimes people of faith or of a certain political persuasion will think that that any use of political correct language is an accommodation and almost see it as a badge of honor to use words that are incendiary. Right. And certainly you don't want to let people co-opt the meaning of words necessarily, but (laughs) I think whenever you can speak in a way that somebody is, um, uh, that, that allows them to not lose the ability to hear you at your first speaking because you've used politically correct language, yeah. it's probably a good thing. It becomes a negative thing when, when it seeds an entire argument. Absolutely. Um, and, and so to me, I would say using politically correct language is part of being able to speak to culture as long as the way that you use it doesn't necessarily seed an entire argument. That's right. You know, as much as you can connect with somebody from a different viewpoint on things that are true, that that only helps you because, you know, you want to be able to listen to them and say, I never thought about that. That's really Mm -hmm. interesting. That's a really good point. 
uh, and you want to be able to take some of their vantage points and grow from them, but you also want to be able to speak that truth into them. And if you, know, if you right. do it in a really caustic way, we, we have to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. That's right. Um, so you know, if we can connect with people, that really does make an impact in the change. Again, just like a missionary in a foreign culture speaking the language. Right. You know, if I go to Brazil, uh, I need to be able to speak Portuguese. You know? Right. So. Yeah. Well, good. Well, Dan, thank you for uh, being here today. Uh, thank you for that question. And uh, again, we hear the heart of it of saying, I feel like I'm losing my country and my faith is being attacked. Um, and I think the encouragement here today is to say, see yourself as a missionary to that culture and to that world. So thank you. Have a great day.